Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Brothers, sisters, gender resistors, welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. This is episode 107, and we're going in a different direction this week with a brand new guest for you all to enjoy. Before we get into that, let me just do uh, a bit of a plug for some of the episodes we've had out recently. The last two weeks have been some excellent podcasts. Obviously, it's been such a massive time for British wrestling, and some of the lads got on in episode 105 and had a chat about the All Out Weekend, the Progress Show, the Rev Pro Show, as well as obviously the big one at Wembley. And last week, the boys had a chat about Payback and All In. Again, I would highly recommend if you want your positive wrestling spin taken from the lads over here at Wrestling Should Be Fun. I'm going to uh, plug our socials as well. Uh, on the Twitter, we are at WSBFUN. Ross does a brilliant job there. On the Instagram, Wrestling Should Be Fun. Dom doing a cracking job there. Facebook, we've just opened that up. Shafi is running that with Wrestling Should Be Fun as well. You're getting the gist of Wrestling Should Be Fun, right? Over on the TikTok, Wrestling Should Be Fun as well. And of course, you're listening to this via whatever you choose to listen to your podcast on. We're on all of those and you guessed it. It's wrestling should be fun. So with all that out of the way, I'd like to introduce you to today's guest. He is the owner, the founder, the promoter and the booker man of my personal favourite promotion. You'd have heard me talking about Ignite Wrestling Pro before. From Boreham Wood, it's CJ Carter. CJ, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm great. I'm just kind of like entering the mega stress mode of the week leading into the show. But, you know, so far, there's no wood around me, but like, I shouldn't say this. There's no major, major issues happening at the moment. I had a bit of a one last week, which we'll probably get into, that I've managed to sort out now. And so that's just fingers crossed that the next six days go smoothly. But yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, um, I can imagine that the stress is, uh, even though you're playing it down there, I can imagine there's a lot of stress going on. But uh, in terms of stress I've had, there's a question to do with Ignite that Warren Banks stirred up when he came on the podcast and had a chat. So the 96th venue, it's a library. Warren Banks doesn't seem to think it's a library. Are we having it's a library? Well, it, you know, it also hosts a library as well. It also hosts a museum. So I don't know. Is it, is it a museum? Is it a library? Is it a calf? I mean, what is interesting is obviously being from Bournemouth and my family have lived there their whole lives and all my friends live there. And, you know, I bump into people around town and I try you know I'm always trying to push the shows obviously and they're like oh where's that oh uh, 96 oh you and everyone without fail everyone responds with oh you mean the library <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah the yeah the library there's also like a theater in the back of that library building and they yeah. do shows as well and one of them is ours oh wow I had I just thought it was a library <laughs> okay yeah I think maybe uh the way uh it was put to him maybe he was getting the impression that people would presume he was doing like hurricane runners or bookshelves or something, but like, no, but the building, like you say, locals in the area, it is the library. If I'm meeting someone, I don't say 96. I say, I'll meet you at the library. So I'm, I'm sticking with library. You've, you've given a very good answer there. That's kind of batted for both sides. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about obviously the show this weekend. You said that you're obviously relatively stress-free at the moment. What is the build-up like? Is it a, a stressful process trying to, you know, in the month before the show? Is it the week before the show, a couple of days before? Like, when does it really become sort of uh, crunch time? That depends how ticket sales are doing. I'll be honest. If tickets... <laughs> I've had good shows and bad shows. All promoters will have. If ticket sales are not doing that well, then it's always stressful. From the moment, you know, you start promoting the show right up until, you know, doors open, you're permanently just stressing, you know. I'm a terrible person for constantly checking the ticket sales. I shouldn't do as much as I do, but I'm, I mean, I might check them 10 times a day. It's terrible and it's awful for my mental health, I'm sure. And so when they're not moving so well, you're constantly trying to think of ways, right, uh, you know, what local events are going on that I could go fly out? You know, what events are there that I could get down to and try and promote the show? Like, do I need to do some more advertising? Do I need to get more posters up in town? Do I just need to walk through town handing flyers out? You know, how do I get to people? Yeah, I'd say that's the most stressful part of, of shows is just trying to make everyone aware that your shows exist. 
And sometimes you just, like with the last show in July with Buckle Up, you get a bit of a steamroll with some shows. And it's it's a bit like a it's a bit like a snowball coming down a hill with shows and tickets, to be honest. Kind of like once it starts moving and it's moving well, it seems to be like, oh, you know, more people hear about it. Someone will check the ticket site and they see there's not a lot of tickets left and it rolls. But if that ball doesn't start rolling for whatever reason, it can be a hard slog sometimes. But this one, thankfully, has been okay as well. So until, I would say, until the last two weeks, it's not been that stressful. There's obviously the talent relations side, having to like throw ideas around with the talents. You know, you'll book a card and you'll book matches and you'll have ideas, but I'm not the kind of promoter that will just say, right, this is what you're doing end of and you're doing it. I don't care whether you like it or not. And um, you do get promoters like that. I've worked for them. You know, obviously I used to wrestle myself. Well, that was where I wanted to go next, actually. I, I feel like I should have opened with it, really. But I think no, you should give the uh, the listeners kind of an idea of your background in wrestling. You've wrestled for quite a long time, right? Was it like 2010, 2011 when you got into this? Well, yeah, I started my first show. My debut was 2010. And obviously, I retired last year in September. So 12 years, I was actually active wrestling. But I, started tra- I actually started training when I was 14. So, not you know, 2001 or two. But unfortunate during the training i got a really bad injury i, I tore my acl and it was a really really bad tear as well it, you know it wasn't like a minor tear i actually thought i broke my leg it was so painful but you know i probably would have been easier if i did break the leg actually in the long run but and they actually said at the time well you'll never there's no way you'll ever wrestle again because that acl is never going to go back to full health yeah i was a bit gutted at the time anyway it took me it was, I had a long long break after that basically and then i started training again in my early 20s and yeah yeah 2010 started doing shows so so 12 years and so i tried like kind of like to kind of circle back to the answer i was giving a minute ago but tie it into this the thing is because i was a wrestler and because i've been on the other side as well as running shows i know what it's like when you work for a promoter and you just get told this is what you're doing this is who you're working no ifs or buts whether you like it or not and it's like you'll do it and wrestlers will always do it but I don't feel like you get the best out of the people on the show when you do that. I just don't. And um, I think it just pays off to have those conversations and to say, how do you feel about this? And how do you feel? And, I, you know, I would like to do this, but if you really are against it, then, okay, we'll move in a different direction and just try and work with them and have that kind of discourse back and forth. And so there's always that going on. There's always that going on leading to shows and losing people, you know, losing people from shows is the next biggest stressful thing. So, yeah happened on this show but yeah sorry so we, we can go back to the wrestling <laughs> career we can cycle back around to the wrestling career again if you this want this is to. it's probably flowing it's a jazz interview yeah. we're gonna go everywhere by the end of it so don't worry we'll get, that we'll was get a, to the points that was a big thing for me when i started running shows when i started clash with gene money in 2018 we were both wrestlers both active wrestlers at the time and and one of the reasons that we wanted to start our own promotion was because we had worked for some people who weren't really treating us that well or other people on the shows. And we felt like they were taking liberties with people, not paying them properly. And we felt like, hang on a minute, let's put on some shows for people and treat them the way we would want to be treated as wrestlers. And that's what we always tried to do and show people that, yeah, that, you know, there are, and it's not just us, there are lots of other people who do it well as well, but to show people that there are people that want to do it well and want to do put on shows for the talent as well as for themselves, you know? And so that's always been really important to me, that the talent enjoy being on the shows, that they feel looked after, and we try and give them some input as well there. Yeah, you say, obviously, because you're coming from that wrestling background, one of my questions was going to be about that with promoters. Do promoters tend to have had that wrestling background, or or is it a real mixture and some, some are and some aren't? Yeah, it's a real mixture. It is a real mixture. You get wrestlers who will start their own promotions. And this, you know, this maybe isn't the most positive thing, but it, but it happens. You get wrestlers who start their own promotions because they want to book themselves in the main events and stuff like that. That yeah. that does happen. Uh, you get wrestlers who have just, you know, their careers have ended and they wanted to stay involved and they then start their own promotions. And then, you you know, you get businessmen and you get fans who, who start promotions and uh, and I don't think there's any one sort of like winning formula or any one thing that works both there can be positives and negatives on both sides of that you know I think sometimes wrestlers who start their own promotions obviously the positive is that they in theory should understand everything from the talent's point of view and put the talent first or at least equal pegging with everything else but then I guess the negative sometimes is that if they're booking themselves on the shows that then that gets a bit muddied sometimes and you know, they start to then book shows for themselves, even if they don't mean to. I've seen it a lot of times, but they don't, they don't, it's not necessarily a conscious thing, but like subconsciously they're like booking themselves into good positions and 
Well, it's like um, the, the classic, right? If you go back to the territory days of like uh, the most reliable person is the promoter, right? So they're going to put themselves in those positions, I guess. There's that as well, you know, and I, me and me and Gene Money, where, you know, when we were running Clash, we always said from the get go, we will never, ever put a belt on ourselves ever. It's just, it's just, we refuse to do it. Um, and we never did. I mean, we only ran Clash for two years, but we never did. And, and I've got, I had that same ethos when I was running Ignite and still wrestling. You know, I was never going to put myself in a situation to win the title. It just was never going to happen. But it is really handy having you around as the promoter because you know you're not going anywhere. Yeah, and you can you know you can always put yourself in a good position on the card to at least put someone over. You're not going to drop out at the last minute. So I can see why people would put belts on themselves because you're not going anywhere. You're not going to yeah. lose your champion suddenly to progress or rev pro when it's you, are you? <laughs> no, exactly. And talking of being a promoter and having the wrestling background, uh, how different are the experiences? Like I'm presuming it's a more stressful experience, but do you feel you get advantages having been a wrestler before and like turning up at a show and being like booked to talent as opposed to being talent and you know promoter like where, where's like the enjoyment and the differences in those things yeah I mean look, I think it's it actually it teaches you so much about the other side what's interesting is you know what I've mentioned is that because I'm a promoter now that was a wrestler I understand the wrestlers more but when I was wrestling still actively but also running shows it made me understand things from the promoter's side so much more. And most wrestlers, they just don't get it. And it's not their fault. They treat themselves as a little mini business. Uh, you've got to pitch yourself out. You've got to sell yourself 24-7. And you are always going to be looking for what's best for you personally. That's just, you know, that's what you're going to do. What they tend to forget sometimes is how stressful it is running a show. And, and when you're putting your own money on the line as well, and, you know, you could potentially lose a lot of your own money how stressful that is and how you know you're trying to make everything work for all the talents on the card and it's not just about one person and so you've got to try and look at it as like what is best for the greater good what is going to work for the entire show and the entire promotion for everyone and am I doing enough as a talent to really help push these shows out to help sell tickets because ultimately if they sell more tickets and they do well that can only be good for me as a talent as well, because if they don't sell the tickets and don't do well, yeah, I might get paid this time, but yeah. they're probably not going to have a lot of other shows coming up. So it really helped me see both sides. And I think it's, yeah, that's great. You know, that's a great thing to take from that. But, I, you know, I would say actually promoting is far more stressful than being an active wrestler, like yeah. way more stressful. I think just for the simple fact that you have your own money on the line. And then when you build up a little bit of a following or any kind of recognition, you then feel like you've got to try and keep a certain level. And if, if you fall below that level, I don't mean in terms of money or even necessarily attendance, I just mean quality on the shows, you know. Yeah. You know, we, we had a couple of really good shows at the end of last year. So I feel like September last year, the November show and the February show of this year were really good shows. I think everyone was kind of as good as each other, if not better than the last. And then for whatever reason... And it wasn't a bad show, but April's just didn't live up to those shows. And it's like, it's a bit stressful having to be like, oh, I need to make sure every show tops the last. And where do, yeah. where does that end? You don't have an endless source of money. You can't always just bring in a bigger name. And so there's that level of stress as well as the stress of, God, we need to sell enough tickets here to actually break even on this show, which is also tricky in itself. In terms of like being the promoter and stuff, we've had a couple on before. We've had Lee McAteer from Progress. He was kind enough to come on. And we've had uh, Dave Mercy from Chaos Down in Bristol who's, who's come on. So we, we've sort of spoken to a few before. And I was just wondering, in terms of relationships, and this isn't trying to be a salacious answer or get you to <laughs> stop people in, I promise. It's not in that direction. But what are relationships like between promoters? Do you feel like it's in a healthy state or is it a bit frosty at times? I would say, I'd say it's better now than it's ever been. Having yeah. been around the wrestling business in this country since 2010 on shows and having an idea of how, you know, things were very different then. There was a lot less promotions then, way, way less promotions. And what promoters were around, I think, were a lot more protective of their areas, the places they run, their brand. You know, if I run this chunk of the country, this is mine. And, you know, don't come and step on my toes type thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's way better than that now. I think a lot of promoters get on with each other and speak to each other and will throw ideas around. I'm friends with a lot of different promoters. I'm friends with That's good. Uh, the promoter of RCWA, of DOA, of UBW, of United. You know, just to throw out a few. And, you know, we, we have good relationships. And I know for a fact that other promotions have good relationships. But on the flip side of that, there is still animosity between certain promotions. And 
places can still be very particular about you not coming into their territory as such. Yeah. You know, there's some like, there's just some unwritten rules that. So, for example, if someone's running a venue, you don't try and run that venue while they're there. If someone's running an area, you without unless you speak to them and get permission to do so, you don't just run in their town. Yeah, you know, little things like that that I've seen still happen. Where I know when I was wrestling, I worked for a place in Ipswich, and they they had a few issues with another place that came in and, and ran Ipswich without kind of having the right conversations, or so they said. So yeah, I would say it's way better than it was, way yeah. way better. But you still do get that frostiness at times, and I I just think it comes down. I think it comes down to communication at the end of the day and and people just wanting to protect their brand i totally get it look i've worked really hard to work ignite to a point where we can do like 200 people in the library <laughs> and, and there are places that do three four five hundred people and they've worked really really hard for those numbers and if someone else comes in and runs your venue or runs down the road and takes half your fans you know it's hard to accept so i think just having those conversations up front i don't i don't know why more people don't just you know shoot a promoter a message and just say look I'm thinking about running a town close by. How do you feel about it? I'll try and run, you know, when are your dates? I'll try not to run close to your shows. And that's what I've done because, you know, you know, UBW run not too far away. They run in Hertfordshire as well. And, I, you know, I speak to Justin there and I try and avoid the dates and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. it's good that it's harmonious. Um, I always find with the um, the idea of like competition, as you say, I feel like maybe I'm speaking wrongly and you can tell me, I feel like your competition isn't always necessarily with other wrestling companies, right? It's more with getting people to spend their money on a wrestling show as opposed to another activity, obviously you being a family friendly company. So do you find that like a hard obstacle of like trying to convince people that this is worth their, and it is a very reasonable rate. I love the Ignite prices as well. And you've kept them so low still. Do you, do you find competition from other areas and other media and entertainment as much competition as say another wrestling promotion? Yeah. Do you know what's funny? It can be. Especially yeah. with, I think with family shows, it is more so, if you, you know, if you're looking at a TNT or a Progress or a Rare Pro, I'd say, obviously, no. I don't mean that is just, that's yeah. not a worry. But yeah, as a family show, absolutely. Silly things that you might not think of, right? I've worked on shows where they've ran on fireworks night and it's been an absolute, it's been diabolical. The turnout's been awful. And I've learned these over the years, like there are certain dates you just don't run on. You, you don't run on Father's Day. You don't run on Mother's Day. You don't run on Easter Sunday. I've tried, oh God, I ran Easter Sunday and Father's Day and that was a terrible idea. You don't run on fireworks night. For me personally, any Borehamwood home games, because there's lots of families that, yeah. that take their kids there. So as a family show, you've got to be aware of what's going on and what's going around. and Because that can really screw up your show. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't clock that it was Father's Day when we ran Father's Day and I, I stupidly didn't clock it was Easter Sunday. And, <laughs> and I know they're not necessarily other activities, but they're family events that people yeah. do. No, for sure, yeah. Together. And like summer holidays, are, you know, unless you're a touring company that goes around mm -hmm. the holiday sites, like an all-star does, you know, and it's like, right, we're going to go to where the, you know, the seaside resorts are and we're going to do those in the summer holidays. Summer holidays are a really tough time to try and run shows because families are doing other things and other activities and going on holidays. So that is obviously a big competition. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. Talking of the family thing, and this is the reason I bring up really is to ask another question like, I've brought, obviously, a couple of my mates and a couple of the wrestling should be fun boys have come to the shows. And the thing that always sort of gets mentioned first is that there's such a great, like, family-friendly atmosphere in the room. And it's a really, like, nice community that you've managed to build there. And I was just wondering whether you think that's, like, obviously a, a level of it being an organic thing. But is there anything you've purposefully done to try and build that, like, sense of community within the room? Because I recognise a lot of the people that are returning to every show and lots of families and kids. It's great to see. You must be quite proud of that, I guess. Yeah, and I'll be I'll be honest, that was a purpose built thing. I I tried it. You know, I didn't know if it was gonna work or not. But first and foremost, so you know, I said earlier one of the reasons me and G Money wanted to start a promotion was because we wanted to try and run one and show talents that it could be done well and done right and we look after them. The reason I specifically chose Boreham Wood was because it was my hometown and I'm from there and I'm acutely aware that not a lot goes on in Boreham Wood for families there. And like, mm -hmm. you know, there aren't a whole load of events there's a cinema there that's you know look, it's not the best cinema in the world the yeah. bowling alley was closed down years ago you know you don't really get loads of shows coming into town there's not like a big theater that comes in and does stuff you might get the fun fair that comes once a year in the summer I, you know i've got kids myself so i know yeah. from experience there's not a whole lot to do and so i really wanted to try and put events on for the local community and bring the community together and show them that look we can put on some entertainment for everyone for all ages your kids will enjoy it hopefully you'll enjoy it too you'll tell your friends and yeah i wanted to try and bring the bournewood community together for something regularly or semi-regularly and that was totally the plan and i feel like it's kind of worked it just 
it works with everyone that comes. What still is a little bit frustrating is, you know, while I'm out and I'm flying and I'm putting posters up and I'm talking to people, there are still so many people in the area that have no idea that we exist or has <laughs> or have ever existed. Yeah. And it just amazes me. You know, I I've been running shows there for five years now and still i'll hand a flyer to someone that comes out of a football game and they go oh i didn't know there was wrestling in Bournemouth." i'm just like what i don't know i don't know what yeah. it is i don't know what it is i have to do to crack that kind of nut so that everyone in the area knows that at least we exist and they can come if they want to that's the thing i'm still trying to work out and still trying to get to well from um from my point of view obviously i'm not uh i don't have a family in terms of i don't have kids uh, to bring to shows or anything but i just remember seeing the posters around town um I was trying to make an effort post COVID, you know, with trying to get to shows more. And with one being on my doorstep, I thought, perfect. And I think uh, it might have been Warren Banks was on the poster who I recognised. So I was like, oh, I'll definitely uh, go down and check it out. Now, obviously, I'm hooked and I'm getting to every show. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like you say, it is a family based um, product and entertainment wise, you know, no swearing and things like that. And the fans are really great at altering their chants and stuff, which is another great <laughs> thing about it. But I don't want that to sound like you don't have the bangers as well. You know, I think the yeah. first match you ever put on was McRae and Lando. And it blew my mind that this was what this wrestling product was going to be like. I'd expected it to be a lot more like maybe some of the other matches, which are, you know, like there's some great wrestling on the card, but people like Mark True interact with the crowd a lot more and, uh, and feed off that energy but you can still you still seem to have a real variety is that a, a thing on purpose where you want the shows to be a variety show so there's something for the people maybe more of my attention you know, the serious quote-unquote wrestling fans and then there's something for like you say the family crowd on that card as well yeah absolutely you nailed it like you've absolutely nailed it 100 percent. you know the thing is i wanted to put on shows for the local community so i want them to be family friendly and entertaining but i'm also a lifelong wrestling fan you know, I've watched wrestling since I was four or five years old and I'm I'm 36 now. I was, you know, also, as I've said a few times already, an active wrestler. Now I have a style of wrestling that I enjoy and I have shows that I go to, you know, outside of running shows and having been a wrestler. You know, when I had a bit more time, I would go to a lot of pro shows and I was at a lot of, a lot of the early progress shows. And I currently am I'm an AEW fan, but I also love New Japan and I was a huge Ring of Honor fan. So you get a kind of idea of the type of wrestling I like. And that was the kind of style that I tried to have when I was wrestling myself as well so you know the plan was that I want it to be family friendly I want the kids to enjoy it but I want wrestling fans like myself to also be able to come here and enjoy this as a high quality wrestling show with high quality matches so I try to book the shows and the cards and the matches in a way that I will enjoy as a fan <laughs> so yeah and but then also explain to them, I want adult fans like myself and other adult fans that come to enjoy these matches, but they are for a family audience as well. And I feel like most of the time we strike that kind of mix just about no, right. You absolutely do. I can say as a fan that from that side of it, I, I think it's uh I think you really nailed it. And like I said, I don't think I've been to any night show where there hasn't been at least one work rate type of match that's really impressed me. And at the same time, there'll be a match where I'm laughing and falling off my chair because it's you know it's a comedy effort and stuff like it really is a really wide ride and I'm, I'm glad you set out to do that because i think it's the perfect way to go you talked about obviously your favorite type of style then and i think we've got an idea from the promotion as you say so when you were wrestling like who did you want to sort of model yourself on was there like a particular guy or was it more the style in general well, growing up, I always wanted to be Shawn Michaels, but like, <laughs> it's like, and then, and then as I got a bit older and I started to dig a bit deeper into older wrestling, I was like, wow, I was the biggest Ric Flair fan. So Shawn Michaels was my first favorite wrestler ever. And well, it's probably Hogan actually, but that was like tiny, tiny. And I just, you know, who didn't love Hogan? But as I got older, I started understanding wrestling more. It was like Shawn Michaels, then Ric Flair. And I always felt like, yeah, I want to be this like flamboyant kind of over the top character. Like all the ladies love me, but. That just didn't pan out. That's not my, not my <laughs> I loved it. That's not my personality in any way, shape or form. And yeah, it just was never going to click for me. So, you know, once I started training and actually, you know, watching wrestling in, in a different way, started to, you know, really pick up people sort of like Jodie Flash, Johnny Storm, Doug Williams, and then a bit later on, Mark Haskins. And I would say, actually, my most recent style was kind of based on, and I took things from it, would be Haskins. Haskins was the guy who who I was like, oh man, I love this style. I absolutely love it. I love how intense he is. I love his work rate. He kind of, you know, he doesn't do a load of flippy stuff. And I'm not the most athletic person in the world in terms of like 
gymnastics or backflips. Yeah, yeah. He could fly around and he could do really kind of like fast athletic stuff and do a few dives, but he'd also do some mat-based stuff and be intense as well. And so that was kind of, as I got later in my career and I started to find myself a bit more and I, and I moved into the CJ Carter role from sort of like 2015 onwards. Yeah, Haskins was the one that I modelled myself on most, I would say. And he's I was, having, yeah, uh, he's having a great run at the moment, Haskins, isn't he? You saw her come back to progress. He seems to be getting a big crowd swell behind him again. It's lovely to see. It's great to see. And, you know, it was amazing to see him go to Ring of Honor and do so well there. Obviously, that didn't end, did it? But it's, you know, we kind of finished yeah. for a bit and it kind of has it. And it's a weird kind of, I don't know what's going on with it anymore, but I don't think anyone does. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was great to see him out here, you know, doing big things. Um, I was always kind of surprised. Maybe it was just, I don't know him that well. So, only met him a few times. I've wrestled with him once and been on a few shows with him, but I, you know, I do not know him well. I was always surprised that he didn't get picked up by like a New Japan more permanently because I, I thought his, I mean, his style would just be perfect out there. Like I would have thought they obviously took Zach out there, and he's, you know, he's huge out there now. But I would have thought he would have gone out there along with him at that kind of time or not long after. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. But he yeah, only got to wrestle him once in my career, and I was meant to wrestle him a second time. Um, when I was United champion, but I had to, that was like that was yeah, and then I got the, the back injury and was told I needed to stop, so I had to actually retire before I got that second match with Haskins, which is is probably that's probably the only thing that I really kind of look back on and, and I find like I'm I'm at peace with not wrestling anymore, like a hundred percent at peace with it. I did quite a lot. I enjoyed everything. And there's not really a lot that I regret or wish that, oh, that could have been different. But that one, I still find hard to let go, if I'm honest. Maybe there's a little just... bit of repentance. You can try and get him into Ignite one day. Who knows, eh? I would love to get Haskins in. I re- Yeah, that would be a dream. Like, have him in a, a main event of a Ignite show. That'd be brilliant. Him and Corey would be amazing, wouldn't it? Oh, I mean, we'll get on to the absolute loving for Corey later. But um, <laughs> I think I think he was appreciative of our words last time. I was very complimentary, Corey. And it's all 100% legit. I love that guy. But yeah, um, I can see the Haskins in the work I did see of yours and Ignite. So uh, I'm not surprised by that answer. I wanted to talk a little bit about show days, uh, the actual day of the show. Is there something that you would say is a highlight of a show day? Oh, like when, when you are sitting back and you're watching the show and you can feel the crowd getting into the story of the match or the storyline that you have let play out and it's just working and just clicking and you're like oh you've sat there and labored over these ideas and these stories for weeks or months and you've kind of pieced various things together and then they and the crowd they buy into it or they buy into a match that you thought would be great and is great you know there's not there's nothing there's not a better feeling i'll be honest it, it actually for me it probably tops going out there and having an amazing match for yourself or at least on par at least on par just it's just an incredible feeling to be like oh it's paid off and i put so much time and effort into thinking about this and planning this and putting it together and it's actually paid off you know, like the last show for me was just, it was brilliant. Everything kind of hit right on that last show and the yeah. crowd seemed to be almost every match and, you know, and also bringing people in. I tell you what I get such a great feeling from is bringing people in who aren't necessarily getting massive opportunities elsewhere that I've seen and I feel like you deserve a chance. I bring them in and give them a, a chance, an opportunity, like a Smashing Mike or, or a Corey McRae or, or a Taylor James and they smash it out of the park with a top talent and everyone goes, whoa, look how good they are. And I'm like, yeah. They are. And it makes me feel really, that does make me feel proud and good inside. I'm like, yes, like I'm shining a light on these people. And I'm not saying I'm the only one. I'm not the only one shining a light on these people. But, you know, like a Corey, for example, when I brought him in and he wrestled Lando on that first show, he wasn't at a lot of places at that time. And I think more people are starting to notice him now that he's been in main events at Ignite for, you know, been champion for a year. So, yeah. Well, he also worked uh, some ring crew at Progress. So I'm hoping that might be a little avenue in Corey. I've been saying for a while they have a big Chris Ridgeway shaped hole in progress that I think Corey could uh, could definitely go and fill. So really hoping, uh, Wizard, if you're listening, get on it. Okay, and obviously I've talked to you about what the highlight is, and uh, we've talked a lot about the stress. I was going to say, is there is there anything that kind of uh, you can't let go on show days that you're constantly worried about? Oh yeah, loads. I mean, <laughs> just everything, I guess. Yeah. Like, like, will, you know, will, will the crowd not be into this match? Are they not going to buy this at all? I know, you know, why are they not louder? Oh, it's the you know, music cues, you know, oh my God, if they play the wrong music, which has happened at times, you know, just small things like that. Like I'm a very particular person when it comes to, I want things to be smooth and come across professional. So if there's slight hiccups like the wrong music playing or cutting out halfway through or the mic doesn't work, like it did on a show a couple of shows ago. So I had to go out and buy brand new mics. Yeah. Like the ones 
96 supply their own microphones or they were until recently and they haven't they haven't invested in particularly great ones let's just say so no. they you know poor sunset skip was having to battle through that microphone every show so i caved in and just bought my own and luckily they were much better but small things like that yeah just like and you just pray to god that nothing bad happens in any of the matches that's unfortunately happened to forest hayes Last yeah. year when he was wrestling with Banks. And like that is obviously probably the worst, absolutely worst situation you could ever say. Yeah, that's the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, Forrest was on a good run as well. So it was, it was disappointing. But I'm sure it'll be back one day. Obviously, you're the booker man. You tell me. But um, yeah, anyway. I've tried. I have tried. It's not through want of trying. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I'll leave it okay. We'll get on to a preview in the Gold Rush card uh, in a sec. But I wanted to ask a really kind of broad question that you can take in any direction you want just before we go on. And I wanted to ask you where you feel British wrestling is at as we speak today in 2023. That's a really good question. I've had this conversation with people that I know in wrestling a lot recently. It's been it's quite a hot topic that question at the moment. Oh, really? And I think yeah, it is, and I, and I think that is because some people feel like it's on a bit of a downturn, which I think is you know the only reason I think is because progress was so huge. It was I mean progress was it was so big that WWE got involved and you yeah, know running Wembley and. Yeah, and people kind of saw progress as the be-all and end-all of British wrestling for a while, and then WWE came in, got involved, they started NXT UK, and I think people saw that as the peak. For whatever reason, they felt like it built to that peak. And because WWE NXT kind of didn't, you know, well, I don't know whether it was massively successful or not, I don't know what their barometer was for being successful, but it's not here anymore. And I feel like people, some people, I'm not going to say that's me, but some people feel like progress isn't the promotion it once was, and I think people use that as just a straight barometer of, look, you know, you, you, the UK scene's on the downturn. WWE took all the top talent. They took all the ones they wanted. They sucked them up. And, you know, they've spat them back out, the ones they didn't want now. And, you know, the scene will never be the same again. And the people on the scene now are not as good as they were in 2015. And it's like, I, I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that one mm, bit. Totally. I actually personally think that the scene now as a whole across the board is stronger and, and better than it's ever been. It's more, I honestly think it's thriving now more than it ever, ever has been. And it's more dispersed across more promotions being successful. Like I think some people see that peak as progress becoming enormous. And obviously Rev Pro was alongside it as well. Rev Pro has always kind of been there alongside it. And until recently was kind of just number two, I would have said, but I think that's changed now personally. Yeah, in my opinion. yeah, I think it's on a really good round as well. Yeah, I think Red Pro is now the number one. I don't think that's even really arguable, if I'm honest, you know, but I'm sure people, some people will debate. But whereas people saw progress as that be all and end all, and WWE NXT was then the holy grail, and then it was like, you know, progress has come down a touch, maybe NXT UK's gone. But I feel like now you've got TNT, you've got Riot Cabaret, you've got Wrestle Carnival, you've got Sov Pro, you know, OTT in Ireland, huge, humongous, Red Pro, bigger than ever. Look at All In Weekend. How many shows ran? How many people did big numbers? North, I didn't even mention North. They recently did, what, seven, 800 yeah. people. Look, when I, when I started doing shows, myself personally, in 2010, this was before progress. It was before the scene really blew up. Most shows were doing 30, 40, 50 people in this country. A good, an amazing good show might be two, 300 people. Yeah. Like, the shows, they just... They were nowhere near what they are now. And now you might have one weekend where Rev Pro do several hundred people or they run the cockle box and do four and a half thousand people. And, you know, progress who people say aren't doing it as well are still selling out or getting close to selling out the ballroom, which is what, like 800 people? Yeah, yeah. And you've got North doing 700 people. You've got, for better or worse, let's not get into this, 1PW selling thousands of tickets. <laughs> we'll leave that as it is, it's, you know, whatever. But my point is, is that the fans are there. That's my point. Regard, you know, we could get into all kinds of debates around promotions and what's right and what's wrong and how they run them, but that's not for now. But my point is, I have more fans, more fans are coming out to more shows than they ever have, personally. So I think it's at an absolute peak, right? Now. I don't, well, I don't know if it's going to still keep going, but I think it's as big now as it ever has been. Well, I think Sorry, all, that was out, probably, yeah, all out, really all out probably explained uh, in terms of fans. You're right, right? Like they managed to sell out Wembley Stadium. So the fans are there. And in terms of like the talent is always brought up, but we've always been of the opinion here at Wrestling Should Fund that it just gives a new guy or a new girl that opportunity to replace them. And you're seeing now in the scene, these guys like Darice and Luke Jacobs that are just stepping up and uh, Oku, obviously, he was on your last show, just stepping up and becoming the biggest names in this country and then hopefully going on and making that step in America eventually, you know? 
I, I think the scene yeah. in terms of talent is in a brilliant place. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't. People are like, oh, well, you know, Pete Dunn left and Osprey's gone over here and, you know, Haskins has got a bit older and my skull had his, you know, whatever went on with him and speaking out and he went to America and we lost him. And the people that they remember as being the top tier talent in like the peak era. But like you said, all that, you know, those people moved on or things happened and, you know, WWE took a few up. But all that allowed to happen was a whole wave of new talent that came through who are equally as good, if not better. Oku, Robbie X, Leon Slater, Doris, Dan Maloney, you know, Newman, I think Charlie, G, Connor Mills. These people are as good as any British wrestler that there's ever been, in my opinion. You know, the things that I see Robbie X and, and Leon Slater do, I, 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 don't know, like, I don't know how they're humanly possible. And Osprey is probably going to end up, I think, when all is said and done, probably being the best wrestler to ever come out of this country. And I don't think it'll even be close. But, you know, the Robbie X's and the Leon Slater's of this world, I don't think they're far behind, if I'm Leon honest. Leon Slater is an absolute mutant. He's like 18, isn't he? I mean, it's stupid how good that guy is already. Yeah, it's just insane. It's, I'm just, every time I see a match of his or a clip of his or him do that Swanton 450, I'm just oh, like, yeah. how is that humanly possible? <laughs> I'm glad that uh, we think and we kind of agree on the consensus here that British wrestling is in a fine place and uh, there won't be any talk of the opposite here. Should we get into reviewing a bit of the card that you've got coming up this Sunday? Yeah, let's, let's do it, man. Let's do it. We're a few days away. We're like six days away. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, as we record, um, I think this is going to come out on Friday, so it'll be right on the eve almost of the show. It's Gold Rush, and there'll be a new champion crowned. More on that later. Uh, if we just go through the card, I was really excited by this one. Now, I don't know the two lads involved. Adonis Payne and Remy Adetunji in the breakout tournament. Mm-hmm. But those look like some big boys. <laughs> yeah, Remy's huge. <laughs> when I was um, when I was still resting, I was also taking training at a promotion called Apex up in Milton Keynes. Um, it's actually where me and G Money kind of like came from and came out of there and you know made clash. Um, and I, you know, I was taking training there on a weekly basis, and I met him there. And I was like, wow, this guy is a standout. Like, I was blown away by him. And this was probably twenty nineteen, so it was a while ago. And I was like, oh, man, I need to get you on on a show. And he kind of went quiet for a little bit and kind of went under the radar. And then I think he, you know, he was doing some WrestleFall shows and it kind of got back on my radar again recently. And I was like, oh, man, I remember you from when I trained you at Apex. I need to get you on. And so I've just been trying to find the right time to get him on. And he's just recently like, aligned himself with the 8-7 as well at some other shows. So with Warren Banks and Roy Johnson and uh, Alexander Roth. So, yeah, he, he's a big boy and he, he's a great talent. And Adonis Payne, not quite as big, but, you know, probably for Brit rest standards, height-wise, he's a, very, he's a decent size. But he can move. Like, he can move. He can fly around the ring as well. And um, he's someone who I wrestled very early in his career. Uh, I had one of his first matches on a main show. You know, he'd done some trainee shows, student shows, but I had one of, if not his first match on a big kind of like stage on the main show. It was me and Charles Crowley against him and um, Truman Roswell. And I was like, wow, this kid's going to be really good. You know, this is early on in his career, but he's going to be really good. And so I just kept an eye on him and kept an eye on him. And, you know, in the last year, he's really come on. And I've been, I've been trying to get him on all year. The breakout division, which is what this match is for, is always been for me, it's the match to highlight the newer, younger talent who are kind of just coming through. They've maybe doing shows for a couple of years, but not that long. And this is their kind of like stage to come on to a show and show people what they're all about. That's what the breakout division is for me. And um, these two talents are perfect for that. So I've been trying to get Adonis Payne on it all year, but he's just started to get quite busy. <laughs> so it's been quite difficult. Well, it's like you read yeah. my mind because the next question was going to be giving you the floor to talk about the breakout division. I mean, it's such a great idea. And it, it's another one of those highlights when I go to an Ignite show. I can guarantee there's going to be a match with two people on that I I probably don't know. And uh, I, I love the idea. Is it something that you're um, really keen to keep as a fixture long term? Oh, man, I'm I'm so proud of it. It's like, I'm just not going anywhere, ever. It was the first, when I moved from Clash to Ignite, 
it was like the first concept that came out of that you know it was like right clash was we had a, at the time we had a lot of quite, quite big names on clash you know Cara Noir was our champion right out the gate and he was in the main events and we had Sam Stoker who was Sammy Smooth then and is now Kip Wilson and and you know we had quite a few progress talents coming in and working for us like Oakley was doing shows for us then and Connor Mills and when I started Ignite I was like I just want to make sure that on this show, first and foremost, there's a match somewhere. There is a place somewhere for, as well as the kind of named people and the top talents, I want there to be a place for the newer talent. Because I know that I really struggled when I was first starting out to get those breaks on the shows. It's so bloody hard to just, and it's, sometimes it's just getting your first foot in the door or just yeah. getting on that first show where you've got some new eyeballs on you, you know? And so that's what these matches are. That's what they're always going to be to highlight that new kind of like younger talent. That's where, you know, that's where Smashing Mike came through last year and Nino Bryan and Mark True and Xander Bryan. And, you know, look, look where we are now with all of them, you know. So, yeah, that's the goal. Well, two of those guys you just said, True and Nino, are meeting in a one-on-one. Now, for someone like me who goes to the Ignite shows regularly, this is a bit of a treat because they're, they're two of what I call your core. So to see them um, mix it up is like one where I can get my teeth into. I know both guys. I can really, from the start, know exactly what's going on there. How important is it finding like a group of guys that you can and girls that you can really rely on to sort of build around and then have things like the breakout vision? Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> that was that was like that was. I do you know what I really love is that you've really grasped the concept of ignite, and that, that makes me feel good because you know I feel like I'm doing a good. I must be doing an okay job, right? And you're, you're doing a great pick, job, CJ. Don't worry. Like you, you're picking up, which is great, and I hope other people are as well. You're picking up on the things that I've really tried to put forward. So the breakout division, you know, having it for families, but also for adult, older wrestling fans, and then also having a core group of people who are on every show that people know they're the ignite guys and girls, and that we can rely on to come back to and build and try and help grow their careers and grow them at ignite. And yeah, Nino and true two of those absolute core people nino's been on every show since show one every single show and true has been on almost every show since show two so oh, you know they are two of the best young talents in this country right now those two there isn't anything they can't do in the ring to be honest i'm amazed that they're both not more places nino's starting to get a nice following at some places like he's he's the purpose champion at the moment which is quite a big deal is that the uh is that the match he had with bullet on friday i think for them right Yep, that's the I would one. have loved yeah. to have seen that. That feels like a real old school match. I would have loved to have seen yeah. it. David and Goliath match. Um, he's also doing very well for himself at Attack as well in Wales. And, you know, I don't think it'll be long before those two are everywhere and at all the big promotions. So, yeah, that is a real kind of like Ignite flagship match <laughs> at this show, isn't it? Yeah. You're right. They're like two like branded Ignite people from day one are going at it. Two of the best we have. If there was, you know, I guess after this show is all said and done, if someone says to me at some point, what's Ignite all about? I could show them this match. Yeah, totally. I, and I, I love to, um, I love to boo true. I think he's, uh, he's grown in every show, you know, like his character work with the crowd is as good as anyone on the show. And he's, uh, I think his family go to every show as well. They're quite, they cheer him, I think, even though uh, I'm not sure that's the desired response. But yeah, he's, he really impressed me every time. And, and Nina, like you say, such a staple and his works, uh, again, improvement, but he was already pretty good from the first show anyway. So obviously there's no tag team match on this show because of uh, Act 2 getting their opportunity. I know they were going to debut the show and it must have been one of those nightmares and stressful situations we were sort of speaking about earlier. So um, obviously I, I don't know too much about Act 2. I've heard of... Um, the lad Jack apparently was working down in the Bristol area and he was Jack from the bar, I think, there. But um, the Act 2 lads, are they? what can you tell me about them? I know they're not going to be on the show, but it's a great opportunity against Bussy, right? Yep, I am uh, devastated, to say the least, to lose them. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just put it that way. They were actually the first act, <laughs> no pun intended. They were the, well, all intended, if you want. They were the first act that I announced for this show before anyone else, before Buckle Up in July was even on. I announced this show and I announced that it would be the debut of Act 2. I've been trying to get them in for quite a bit this year because, you know, I've been using the Rebellion as the top tag team at Ignite and I feel like the Rebellion for a long time have been one of, if not the best tag team in the South. I think they're underutilised as well. I don't think they use nearly enough. And Act 2, I've been keeping an eye on because they work at a couple of places that I used to work at, Sacrifice, Pro Wrestling being one of them. 
Future Pro Wrestling is another one. And they're kind of like up in the Midlands North area. So, you know, Future's up sort of like Nottingham Way and Sacrifice is up near the Milton Keynes Way. But they're kind of like, they're up in that North area. And I've been keeping an eye on them. And I've been, I mean, wow, this, this team is amazing. And I feel like if I could bring them down, it could be genuinely like, one, you know, the best tag team from the North against the best tag team from the South, like a proper dream tag team match. That was what it was for me. And they've just been... So I tried to get them on the July show, couldn't do it. So we said, right, we'll do September. And this was in like April time. So it's been a while coming. And I've been waiting for this match, you know, looking forward to this match. But what's happened over the months that I've been waiting to get here is they've just been getting bigger and bigger and noticed more and more and more, which is understandable what's going to happen. And then right the week before the show, they get offered the opportunity of a lifetime at the, the TNT versus GCW show. And, you know, unfortunately i just you know i totally got it look i said to them look you can't turn this opportunity down as much as as much as i would love to be like no you're doing my show no matter what it's just <laughs> like you know i i think what it would be like for me if i was still wrestling i got offered an opportunity like that you just don't they don't come along that often and you've got to take them when they're there so yeah i lost them and that was kind of devastating and obviously with it being so close to the show itself I struggled. I did try. I struggled to get another tag team in that I felt like was at their caliber. And that's no disrespect to any of the other tag teams around that probably are available. But I really felt like this was a dream match for me and for some of the fans and certainly for the Rebellion and them. They wanted this match as well, the, yeah. the two teams. But I was replacing them and I felt like they were kind of like a marquee debut for me coming down from the north to show what they're all about down here. If I was replacing them, it had to be with something or someone as good, if not better. So I tried to get Sunshine Machine in, TK Cooper and Chuck Mambo, whom people will know, I'm sure, former RevPro tag champs, former Progress tag champs. But both were not available. I tried a good few other tag teams, you know, and in the end I decided, you know what, I'd love to get TK back in. Like, it's his debut for Ignite, but I used him at Clash a few times. I wrestled him at Clash (laughs) myself. And so I really wanted to bring him back to 96 and have him debut for Ignite. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have to rejig this card slightly. And I've changed it now. So it's now a singles. It's now Taylor James, who's following up his huge match with Oku at the last show, to now wrestle TK Cooper. And he'll have Jack Torino in his corner from the Rebellion. I mean, it's obviously TK Cooper is a great last minute get, as you say. I think uh, this is a podcast where... TK Cooper was a former quiz winner on this podcast, so we're very familiar <laughs> with him. And we've had Chuck on as well, great lad. But um, yeah, TK versus Taylor James just gives, like you say, Taylor James another chance to show that he's one of the more underappreciated wrestlers on the circuit in terms of this area, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm a big fan of Taylor. He was someone who, was, when I started Ignite, he was like the first name on the list or one of the first names on the list because, you know, I wrestled him myself and I was like, wow, this this guy's so good. I don't even really see him in tags. Like, He's so good as singles. Like, why is he not doing more singles matches? So I wanted to try and bring him in and give him a mix of tags and singles so people could really see his single work as well, as t- you know. And obviously I kind of like had had my kind of biggest feud at Ignite with him that built to my last match last September in the kind of street fight and ODQ match we had. And so, yeah, he gave me my last match. He really looked after me. You know, I went into that match having been told that I shouldn't be doing any more matches. I shouldn't be taking another bump at all because the discs in my back are so badly herniated and damaged that, you know, I was risking bursting one of the discs by taking another bump. That was the problem, to be honest. And I kind of explained that to him. And I was like, look, you know, this is the deal, but I want to do this one last match. I need one last match to say goodbye to people. And he couldn't have looked after me more. Like he could not have looked after me more, been better to me in the ring and and put me over as well, which, you know, not really supposed to do on your way out, but it was kind of, the annoying thing was it was, I would have definitely done it a different way, but we'd built to that match for a year and he'd beaten me twice already on the shows. <laughs> and on the previous show, he'd just done this big, huge beat down on me with Jack, with chairs and stuff like that. Felt like it would be a bit odd then for us not to end that story with the face win, but I don't know. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, it was a great match as well. Not that you need telling, but uh, it was a really excellent match, that one. Thanks, man. Moving on to so hopefully what will also be a great match on the card. Segway. Uh, the Hitting the Turnbuckle Championship. So this is going to be a new champion crowned. I don't know whether you're... I mean, you'll be able to tell me whether you're seeing it as like a secondary championship or or something. I don't know where you're going to place it, Ignite. But uh, probably worth giving a shout out to the Hitting the Turnbuckle boys. They seem to be some hardworking lads. Yeah, I mean... I'm sure you guys work incredibly hard on your podcast. So I don't want this to sound like I'm putting you guys down, but I don't think I've ever seen anyone 
churn out as much content as them and work as hard as them on getting so much stuff out. I am blown away by, you know, they get a show out a day and it's, I don't know how they do it. They do reviews of every WWE TV show, every AEW TV show, the NWA TV shows, the Impact TV shows, all the pay-per-views. They do top 10 shows, interviews with guests. I'm just like, how do they, like, how does anyone have this time in their life? Do they sleep? Like, I don't know. Do they sleep? But yeah, and I kind of met them. I did their podcast. That's kind of how it happened. And I had done it previously as CJ Carter, the wrestler. And I knew Andy from hitting the turnbuckle. And he brought me back on as CJ Carter, the promoter. And we kind of like started chatting and we kind of discussed. I used to have a sponsorship model with a different brand called Powered 4 TV. I don't know if you ever heard of them at the time. They they were like an, an on-demand sort of like uh, a bit like fight. You know, it was like, or a Netflix for English wrestling. And I had a kind of sponsorship model with them where they sponsored the breakout division, basically. And the idea was that we would promote that this match was sponsored by them. It would have their, have their logos on the graphics and they would get rights to the match as well as us. So they put it on their YouTube channel and mm-hmm. they would sponsor us with some money to help out with that match. And obviously they, they stopped running. I kind of lost that sponsorship and that was really helping us. That was really, we we're a small time promotion on a shoe string budget shoe shoe string and a thin one at that so you know the sponsorship really helped and i try and give back to the sponsors as well i try to make it a two-way thing and so i kind of said to them you know would you be interested in doing something like that and they were like yeah that sounds amazing and you know we threw some ideas around and we were, i thought you know what would be a really cool idea is we've done the breakout division before let's make a title let's <laughs> <laughs> make a title and and then you know it has your logo on it and we you know we can plug you on every one of these matches and we get a new belt for ignite as well and it works both ways they thought it was a great idea um we got the belt made we kind of unveiled it a buckle up which was our kind of first big joint venture we worked together on that one and that was the first show they sponsored and that was more than just the one match they sponsored the whole show for that one but that was that was only ever going to be for that one show i think you know there's talks of potentially doing a buckle up two again next year to keep eyes and ears peeled for that that'll be coming next year hopefully and so, yeah, we came up with this idea of them sponsoring a match and let's have a belt that's dedicated to them on it. So we've got the Turnbuckle Championship, as it's called. And that match is going to be the debut of George Lydon, of Lance Riviera. Again, two people I've been keeping an eye on from the Midlands and North area because I like to try and, you know, make sure I'm watching wrestling from all over the country. Who are these people who the South haven't seen as much or at all mm-hmm. and try and bring them down? And Smashing Mike, who has... I think personally, you tell me you've been at the shows, become the people's champ of Ignite. Like <laughs> I brought him in into the breakout division, was always a fan of him, but maybe even myself, even as a fan, kind of underestimated quite how much he was going to connect with the audience. It's and just charisma, isn't it? It's so much of it dripping off the guy. It's it's insane, you know. And I'm sure other promoters will, will say this. It's really hard to find that baby face who really connects with the crowd. Like I think it's it's a little bit easier to be hated, I think. And that, I found yeah. that as a wrestler yeah. myself. I found it much easier to be a heel than a face. It's much easier to make people not like you than like you. <laughs> and it's quite hard to find that kind of special something, that it factor that, you know, a real good baby face has. I might just, he has it. He just has it in buckets and <laughs> wheelbarrows of it, you know? And Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Well, my, my next question was going to be asking about, are you happy with the relationship Mike has with the crowd? So we kind of covered it. I mean... Oh God, I couldn't I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. And and to answer your question on where do I see that belt, I would like it to be seen over time as as important as the Ignite title, or at least close to. Like I don't I don't like the idea necessarily of, of things being called secondary because I feel like I just if you're gonna bring something in, you want it to be important. I tell you yeah, what's totally. a good example is what Orange Cassidy has done recently with the national title. Absolutely. Um and you know, that was definitely seen as secondary, and it probably still is like just about, but if it's going to be just underneath that main tile, I want it to be seen as bloody close to as important to the fact, to the point where it can main event shows as well. Cause that's, you know, I don't know if you watch AW that much or, but the obviously at, at all out Cassidy and Mox main evented that show with that title. And I want this, this belt to be a belt that can also main event shows as well. So. Oh, excellent. And also Mike is still alive after Connor Mills nearly kicked through him at the last <laughs> show. And that was, oh, that God. was a, that was a stiff match. Those kicks, oh my God, Corey and Mills kick hard, hard. Now the thing is, Corey just got some got some like new kick pads and they look really good, but I think they're a little bit more padded than Connors. (laughs) Connors are not that padded, and 
I've seen Corey he, kick a lot, like you say, but Connor Mills was on something that day. I mean, geez. I wouldn't have wanted to have been in the middle of that match getting kicked like that. That, <laughs> that was... I was in the back watching that Corinne, like I was like covering my face for oh my god, Mark, is he gonna make it through this match? Um he did, he's alive, he's alive, <laughs> and he's making it to, to Gold Rush on Sunday and he's gonna be challenging for the Turnbuckle Championship. <laughs> Excellent to hear. I'm glad that he's uh he's good. Next match I want to talk about is one that is I would say from my point of view, and you'll maybe have your own opinions, uh, CJ as you put the card together, a, a co-main event uh, with Kira Kimira. Kim- is it Kimira? Oh, I say Kamira, but I think some people do say Kaimira. Okay. I say Kamira. She's maybe a, I'm sorry, a bad yeah, woman, I'm not... so I'm not going to argue. She tells me how to say it. She is physical. Yeah. Uh, her and Aluna Blue are going to have like their kind of, I guess, blow off, for the lack of a better word, with the uh, no disqualifications match, if I'm right. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this so feels yeah, this like, like um, a... sorry to jump, just I want to get, like, this feels like um, something that Ignite have done really well. Like, you build up these rivalries and then have these, the payoffs. You've had it yourself with Taylor James. You then kind of went there again with Nino and Taylor James. This feels like it's in the same ballpark of storytelling and you're paying it off with a big physical match. So I'm guessing that's what you're attempting here is to play it off with a big brutal one. Yeah, that's you nailed it. Try to have like at least one story running at a time that's like a, something you can really get your teeth stuck into that runs through a few shows that will culminate in like a big match with some kind of stipulation on it. Or, you know, so we had me and Taylor last September, the same show last year. So last September, I had the kind of street fight with Taylor and then we kind of then flipped it to Nino and Taylor and they built up and they had the big blow off match with me as the special guest referee. So that was the kind of stipulation on that one, GM as the ref. And that was kind of, that was, you know, that you know was not an ODQ match. It was a pretty hard-hitting kind of like solid match as well, which is what we always want these end of feud matches to be, like sort of some aggression in there, you know? And then now we've gone to Kira and Luna. So they had the match two shows ago where Luna kind of like used the bat to win and then she came out and she jumped her and beat her down after the match yeah. at the last show. So, you know, if you're going to keep using the bat, let's bring the bat in and let's bring some more weapons in. <laughs> You know, let's do something that I don't think many places do. Places do do it, but not a lot of places do the women's no DQ or, or street fight matches. And I, and I think it's something special that we can do that's slightly different. And why can't the women do what the men do? I don't, you know, why not? <laughs> like, I agree. I think one of the best matches I saw this year was Nina Samuels and Alexis Falcon had a, what was it? I think it was called a clock strikes midnight match where the rules changed every time the clock rang. And it was amazing and brutal. And both of them, you know, saw red and it was an amazing match. So I completely agree with you. In terms of women's wrestling, Ignite's had um, intergender matches in the past. Um, and you obviously don't have a women's title. Do you see that being a route for like whoever maybe wins this? moving in and, and competing for the male... Well, I say male belts because they're held by men at the moment. Do you see that it's like a fluid thing where the women could go and compete for those titles as opposed to their own championship? 100%. I got I got asked the other day, are you going to bring in a woman's title? And I was like, no, I'm not. The plan was from day one was to do more in agenda matches. Like I had the Laura Di Matteo and Tommy Kyle one yeah. and I wanted to, to do more. But for various reasons with who's available and who I can get and card changes and it just hasn't panned out as much as I wanted. So that is a goal for me going forward to get more in agenda matches onto the card for one point one. Two, for me, the women, I see the women can challenge for the two belts we, we already have and have now. That's where I see them going. I don't know. I don't want to have just a solely women's division where the women can only challenge for that one belt. I want it to be, yeah, a totally fluid thing where after this, the first term buckle champion, the next one could be a Luna Blue. The next one could be Kira Kamira. Do you know? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Nina Samuels, who is someone. I'm looking to bring back to 96 because she worked for Clash a lot. And someone I am a huge fan of and think is one of, if not the best. I don't want to say female worker. I think that's doing a discredit. I just think one of the best workers in the country, full stop. So I see them being able to, and I don't see there being any reason why the Ignite champion couldn't be a woman as well. Yeah. So. I mean, Aluna's obviously at the front of your marketing all the time and stuff. Like, I can see her. She's so popular again in the room. Like, the kids seem to really take to Aluna. So I, I would I would love to see her challenging for one of those titles down the road. But we'll see if she can get the victory, I guess, against Kira, because that's going to be a hell of a task. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Kira's not, gosh, she's not someone I'd want to be in an IDQ match. Like, <laughs> not at all. I've seen, I mean, talking, she can kick, like, the best of them. Like, Mills kicks are hard, but I've seen... Kira kick right through people as well. So <laughs> yeah, she, and she gets her um, to use the industry. She gets her heat in there as well. Again, someone who uh, is very vicious in the ring. Um, yeah. And that leaves us with one more match to talk about, which is, I guess, the main event: the champion Corey McRae 
And we are going to get into that point where I'm just going to wax lyrical by him, I guess. Uh, facing Gene Money, of course, we've spoken, he's come up a few times. You've got great history uh, with Gene, obviously. I just didn't know if you wanted to just talk about how like great Gene is, basically. He's been on here twice. He's been generous with his time with us. Like, you obviously have a close relationship with him. How good is Gene? Oh, my, like, I don't think there are many better than him. And and I think it just shows that, you know, all the promotions that he's currently working for, all the belts he currently holds. Wherever there is a promotion in this country, Gene Money is, is there at the moment. And Progress you know, gave think, him his own show. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> there you go. It says it all right there, does it not? Look, I've known Gene Money since 2012-13. And we tagged together as the Lavelle brothers, you know, for... A year and a half or so and you know became close friends after that and um i took a little bit of time out after that because well for, you know i don't, I don't want to for various reasons some personal issues i had at the time and and he was the one person in wrestling who never gave up on me and always messaged me stayed in contact and was just like come on now's the time to come back come on and he just would not stop and in the end he managed to get me back in i came back that's when i started doing cj carter then we were working for apex together and, and you know we became even closer friends and then from that we branched off we started clash together without gene money there would have been no cj carter because i think i would have just been still sitting on the sofa well i'm sitting on my sofa now but i would, <laughs> I would have never got off of it i would have never gone back we never had that amazing run that i had at cj carter which was the best run i had in wrestling of all the years i did i would have never started clash and there would be no Ignite. So, you know, he is as much of a reason for their being wrestling in Bournemouth as anyone. And we had two great years running Clash together. He then, his career then just blew up. It just blew up. You know, he got the progress call, became a mainstay progress. All the other promotions came calling as they do. And he just got way too busy to dedicate his time to running the show, which was completely understandable. And so we called Clash a day. And I decided that without Gene, it wasn't Clash anymore. Clash was our thing. It was our baby. We came up with the idea together, the concept, the name, everything, the logo. It was a joint venture in every way. And I, and I felt like without him, it needed to be something different. So I rebranded as Ignite. That's where we are now. Um, I had him on. He was in the main event of the debut Ignite show. I couldn't think of yeah, anyone better. Three-way from memory, right? Bang on. It was yeah. with uh, Dexter and Warren Banks. Yeah. I couldn't think of anyone better to be in the first main event of the first show. He also main evented the first ever Clash show against Cara Noir. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is while we, like we said, while we were running Clash, we always said we would never, ever put the belt on ourselves. We'd never do it. And um, he never had a title match while we ran Clash and I never had a title match. And here we are now. I'm running Ignite in the same venue. And it's like, you know what? Let's bring Gene Money in now. Now he's a huge name. Now he's a big name. Now he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. I'm sure he could go anywhere in the world. I'm sure he could go to GCW, he could go to AEW, be signed by WWE, and he would slot right in. Um, he's certainly one of the best in this country. Let's bring him in now. And now he has an opportunity to wrestle for the title for the first time against Corey, who's been champion for 12 months. So, yeah, I think the story's there. How fitting would it be? For Gene Money to be the person to end Corey's 12-month run as champion, having been the person who brought wrestling to Bournemouth with myself. You know, how mm -hmm. fitting would that be? So, yeah, I, I think it, this match means a lot to me personally. He's my one, you know, one of my closest friends in wrestling. Probably is my closest friend in wrestling. And I'm a massive fan of his work as well, just generally. Always have been. And I think obviously can't say enough good things about Corey. Obviously, obviously, otherwise he would not have held our title. Well, let, let's get on to Corey because I always love talking about Corey. He's the one that's always stood out to me at Ignite as just in the nicest way possible. I can't believe he's not working bigger promotions as well. You know, like it's fantastic that I get to watch him. But I also want to see him sort of spread his wings and go and work elsewhere as well. I mean, he's just I mean, yeah, he's phenomenal, right? Yeah. Oh, oh God. I mean, how, where do I even start? with how great Corey McRae is. He can do it all. Like, this guy can go in there and kick with the best of him. He's the, one of the best strikers in the country. Uh, then he can mix it up with some technical stuff. Like I said, he's got that Ridgeway style. But then he can do lion salts, moon salts onto his feet. He can do the high-flying stuff when he wants to. You know, obviously, he's a very strong heel character, so he's not going to go flying around the ring all the time. He can do that stuff as well. There is not anything he can't do. He's also one of the best goddamn heels in the entire country he knows how to make people hate him <laughs> like yeah he gets great heat. he gets amazing heat he i personally feel like he has made that ignite championship feel really special over the last year and he's held it like a proper champion and 
I do think he will be the next kind of person who, sadly, for us, for Ignite fans, for myself, kind of will fly his wings. And, you know, like when we had Clash and eventually Cara Noir went on to progress permanently yeah. every single show and, and Warren Banks and, you know, Sam Stoker and, and Gene Money and these people who will come in here and there, but, you know, can't be regulars anymore because they're just so popular and they're so booked up and they're on all the biggest shows. Joe Lando, who was on, you know, Lando was on every single Ignite show to begin with, yeah. then blew up. And it just becomes harder to get these people, which is completely understandable. And I feel like Corey will be that next one. that And I don't think it's going to be long. I don't think it's going to be long before he pops up on a Red Pro or a Progress. And the, the first match he has on that show, you watch Twitter explode. Whoa, look at this Corey McRae. Like, <laughs> where's he been hiding? It's like, well, he's been hiding at the library in Bournemouth. Definitely I'm a library. You. Definitely a library. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak enough about him. I can't believe watching him in that match with Lando. And I didn't know too much about Lando either at the time. Um, and watching those guys was a joy. And every match he has on the card, he makes feel his own. And... He's got great interactions with the crowd. He's his promos and stuff get you rolled up for the matches. His work's so good. And I can't say that, but every time someone comes, he's always a standout for them, you know, just a great wrestler. And um I, I wish the best yeah. for him. He, he's not my guy because he's a baddie, but uh mm-hmm. I boo him with real joy in my heart. I just yeah. love his work so much. And I, I feel like everyone there does, if I'm honest. I think everyone is taken to him in that exact same way. They love to hate him, but they are everyone appreciates how great he is in the ring. Excellent. Well, I think that covers the card. Obviously, I'm, as you can tell, looking really forward to it. I hope that you have a a not too stressful run to the show, CJ, and everything goes smoothly. I'm sure you'll be worried, but um, just know that uh, it'll all be fine. It'll be great because it always is. That's my that's my opinion. Is there anything that uh, you want to plug? Obviously, you have to get tickets for the show and stuff with this will go up Friday. There might still be a few hanging around by then. So, um, yeah, please do get tickets uh, for this show um, and tickets for our next show after that are already on sale as well, which is November 12th. So both shows are on sale. The website is 96.eventbrite.co.uk. If you go there, you'll see Gold Rush is on sale and November 12th show is on sale as well. Please do follow us on all our social media. So um, that's Ignite Wrestling Pro on Facebook. That's Ignite Rest Pro on Twitter and Ignite Rest Pro on Instagram and on TikTok as well. Ignite Wrestling Pro. Hunt us out, follow us, like us, share all of our posts, spread the word, buy tickets. You know, we'd love to see you at our shows. And I'll also throw in, uh, and if you did mention it, sorry if I didn't hear, the YouTube channel as well, because uh, I rewatched the matches on there. I'm not even plugging my own stuff, man. Thank you. Yeah. And <laughs> Ignite Wrestling Pro on YouTube. Every single match from every single show is on our YouTube channel from the very beginning all the way through to Buckle Up. Featuring names like, you know, Gene Money's already been on there in the debut show, as I mentioned. Warren Banks, Michael Oku, Connor Mills, Scotty Rourke, Charles Crowley, Joe Lando, Danny Black. So, yeah, check out the YouTube channel and check out some of our amazing matches. Yeah, and, and the main event from your last show would be a personal recommendation because I think that might have been the best match I'd seen in Ignite. Connor Mills, Corey McRae and Smashing Mike getting destroyed by both of them. <laughs> Excellent stuff. CJ, thank you so much for giving us your time today. It's been a pleasure. And uh, there's not going to be many podcasts out there. Two lads from Boreham would chat about wrestling, but I'm glad we finally put it out into the world. So thank you for fulfilling that yeah. for me. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been, like you said, two guys from Bournemouth doesn't, you know, come on. How long, how how often does this happen? It had to, it had to be done. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And as we always say, drink lots of water, look after your mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. (laughs) 